Hey, this is Nick from Bike Talk, and I'm here with Omar Bronson of the LA River Revitalization Corporation. He's the executive director, and uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. You're doing some work with the LA River. I mean, that's what your organization is about. And maybe you could just start by telling us about the work you do. The LA River Revitalization Corporation was created by the city of Los Angeles in 2007, or at least the conception of it was created in 2007 as part of the master plan that the city adopted. The idea that the LA River could be this great public resource, uh, something that connected environmental, social, economic issues, and really stretches from all the way in the valley, uh, Canoga Park, where the LA River starts, uh, going down to Long Beach. The LA River is 51 miles. The first 32 miles are within the city of Los Angeles. And so the River Revitalization Corporation really is focused on three things, Uh, moving dirt, really creating real projects and moving those forward, aligning public policy, and strategically marketing the river. Um, Each of those things are very important because uh, projects show progress. Um, Policy is important because it cuts through uh, 12 cities, the county, state, and federal jurisdictions. And strategically marketing the river is important because a lot of people don't know we have a river in Los Angeles. Okay, so so one of the things you're doing is um, bringing awareness uh, to people uh, that we have a river? Absolutely. So one of the uh, projects that we have is our bike-in movies. Last summer, we looked around. We said we want to create continued excitement and engage people in a more creative way. And so we went to Kickstarter. Uh, We showed a... 15-second video of Frida Kylo saying, what should I do this weekend as a puppet, and I don't want to be stuck in traffic. She said, let's go to the L.A. River for a bike-in movie. Uh, we had 5,000 hits that first week, and we raised $10,000 in eight days. With those funds, we were able to then host three bike-in movies in the Elysian Valley. Uh, we had about 1,000 people come uh, to the bike-in movies. And we didn't show you know, Inconvenient Truth by Al Gore. We showed Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, Beetlejuice, Rushmore, because that's what the people who donated through Kickstarter wanted to see. And then we also themed the events around the biking movies. So we had bike valets, about half the people that came to the event biked to the event, which was exciting to see. Um, We had bike power DJ booth, um, pedal creamery, churning your own ice cream, um, food trucks, and just really creating uh, events. And I honestly, the first night we had one, I got goosebumps, seeing a whole group of people biking up, kids playing with their parents. It was community. And I think that's, to me, what attracted me to the L.A. River is that L.A. can be a very isolating place. It's fragmented. It's big. So how do you connect at a real level? And for those few hours, people were connecting on a very real level. Uh, And it was exciting to see how the L.A. River could be uh, the place for those connections to happen. How did this happen, that you had so much interest, that they all came to your site, that they came to the event? Why did that all take place? I think there's a movement in Los Angeles right now about building community and being experimental. Ciclavia is an example of an experiment that's gone big uh, so that 150,000 people three times a year are coming back to take back our streets. Um, And I think that that spirit um, of caring about Los Angeles, sometimes people uh, think of L.A. not as a destination but a launch pad, sort of a place for them to kind of take off I think more and more people, though, that are recognizing that it's important to embrace L.A. as a city. It's a young city, and so how can we come together and create our own identity? Um, And so food trucks, Ciclavia, um, all the sort of pop-up experimental things that are happening, I think the L.A. River is tapping into that energy uh, of experimenting and really rethinking what does civic life look like. 
when did you guys get started? So the River Corporation was incorporated by the city in 2009. Uh, the mayor and the city council appointed the initial board, uh, and then I was hired as the first executive director in January of 2011. And are you going to have another pop-in movie? We hope so. Uh, we are right now raising another $10,000 uh, through the KIND project uh, to host the bike-in movies this summer. Um, we very much uh, saw that people were excited, and we want to take them on the road. So last summer we just did them in the Elysian Valley. We've had people ask us to do it in the Valley and Long Beach and continuing to sort of bring people together across L.A. So uh, right now we're raising the money um, and uh, look forward to continuing to do even more fun activities. We're looking at having movable feasts. Uh, again, continuing to find creative ways to engage people. Um, we just launched What's a, a, movable feast? a movable feast. Is we're going to have white linen uh, dinner on the river, uh, and really kind of creating a unique setting for people to come. We're trying to find you know either emerging or celebrity chefs to come and local food. Again, just sort of really celebrating LA. Um, and giving people unique ways to participate in what's happening along the river. Uh, we just launched a custom IPA with Golden Road Brewery. Golden Road is one of the largest, if not largest, microbrewery in Los Angeles. We partnered with them to create a new can for our Greenway 2020 campaign to connect all 51 miles of the river. Uh, they produced 400 barrels. Half of that went into cans, which is about 60,000 cans. You can buy it at Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, Costco, uh, and then we're hosting happy hours at a lot of the restaurants and bars. Does uh, money come back to you for that? And a portion of the proceeds come back to the River Corporation. But really that is a, a marketing um, opportunity to continue to build awareness that the L.A. River is a great public resource. So the, is the Army, I want to talk about more bike stuff too, but is the Army Engineer, Nearing Corps, uh, their project, hap it was like going to happen or wasn't going to happen or... Can you explain all that first? Sure. So for the last seven years, uh, there's been a study in partnership between the City of Los Angeles, the county, and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Um, the U.S. Army Corps built the river that we see today, um, so we have them to thank for the concrete. Uh, it did its job at the time, which was just about flood control capacity. Uh, and so it was about uh, safety of life and property. We now realize that there are significant consequences to that, dividing of communities, waste of water. Los Angeles imports 90% of its water. 70% of that free rainwater that comes down from the sky when we get it drains down the L.A. River. And so there's been tremendous consequences for having a very uh, limited perspective of what uh, the river could be. Um, at the time, it was single-purpose, single-benefit infrastructure. Let's build a freeway instead of complete streets. Um, you know, instead of a public transportation system, let's build more roads. And so we're now learning what are the consequences of those policy decisions. And so about seven years ago, eight years ago, the Army Corps began a study of how to uh, reimagine the L.A. River and how to really focus on the habitat restoration possibilities. So not just flood control, but how can this be a great uh, habitat um, just as an example, there's over 200 bird species in the L.A. River. Most people wouldn't know that. There's fish in the L.A. River. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I don't know the exact type, but um, I've seen people fishing along the L.A. River. Um, and, but it's, it's not uh, that's okay. built that's okay. in a system. And so that's what the Army Corps study is aiming to do is how do we have a more systemic look at the L.A. River. Um, they're only looking at an 11-mile stretch that goes from about downtown Union Station to just north of Griffith Park. Um, right now, the uh, proposed alternative is uh, called Alternative 13. Um, this is narrowed down from over 150 different alternatives. And, uh, you know, it, that's about a half a billion dollar project. Um, the one that the local community wanted and that you know a lot of the advocacy for was called Alternative 20. That would have been closer to a billion-dollar project. I think um, 
Either way, what we're looking at is a significant investment into the LA River, uh, and again, a more sort of holistic way of what this river could be uh, for the region. Wait, one project was a billion. That's Project 20. Alternative 20. And 13 was about a half a billion. Half a billion. Right. And which were they going with? Um, the one that was recommended by the Army Corps is Alternative 13. Um, they then got a bunch of public feedback. Um, we have not yet heard what the final decision is yet. So the feedback was the mayor wants 20, right? Everybody wants 20, um, and obviously we want more investment. But I think you know at the end of the day, um, you know, we're excited that people are uh, making progress, and a half a billion dollars is a significant you know step in that progress. Yeah, what's going to happen? 13. We don't know yet. Uh, and I think that that sort of decision will hopefully be announced soon. So what will Project 13 look like? I think you're going to be able to look at uh, greater greening along the river. Hopefully there's opportunities for even terracing, so that way instead of the sheer fall-off, there's opportunities to, to soften those edges. Um, from a habitat perspective, it really creates greater connectivity um, from a people perspective, you're taking something that, again, was just looked at as infrastructure and can really be something that is uh, a part of our lives. So it's a shorter span, Project 13, than 20? It does. Uh, it doesn't go all the way up to Verdugo Wash, which is where Alternative 20 went all the way up to the Verdugo Wash, which is roughly where the 134 is. Um, so it falls short of there. But it's the same otherwise? It's just shorter? It's shorter and just slightly narrower scope. And so some of the projects were a little bit more ambitious um, related to, there's a project called Piggyback Yard, uh, which is uh, Friends of LA River has been championing that. Um, there was a opportunity to do a better connection at the Arroyo Seco in the cornfields. Uh, so some of those projects are um, scaled down. In Project 13. So, right. um, but when you talk about connecting 51 miles of the river that's outside of either project scale. Can you tell me how that will happen? So I think when we think about the LA River, we have to think about it in many ways. Um, but two of the ways that we look about it are what happens in the channel and then what happens on the edge of the channel. Um, and so while the Army Corps piece was really focused on just the habitat and the restoration of the river, Greenway 2020 is looking about how can we create uh, connectivity along the full 51 miles of the river. And if you're familiar with the High Line in New York, which is an example of an old rail, elevated rail, that became obsolete as industry changed. A lot of people wanted to tear it down because it was obsolete infrastructure. But other people saw an opportunity to create a great linear park. Uh, and so that's what uh, in the last few years they did is they created a mile and a half linear park that has become a world-class destination. And what they did in doing so is they have helped people realize that you can create a great linear experience, that parks don't just have to be big open spaces, but they can also be something uh, that is a sort of as much about movement and time as it is in space. Um, and so that's the idea that we want to carry forward with Greenway 2020 is the connectivity of all 51 miles of the river that has bikeways, that has pedestrian ways, that has equestrian loops. Um, and so how do you create that space that really uh, showcases all of Los Angeles? In many ways, this can really be our central park. It really is a 51-mile central park, uh, and that brings together our city. Uh, L.A. gets knocked for being this fragmented, segmented city. The L.A. River is something that really can connect us and bring us together as a city. How, how long are the... Uh bike stretches now? How long are the bike paths now? So there's about 26 miles of bikeways that exist today. Um, the longest uh, continuous stretch or contiguous stretch, if you will, is uh, from Long Beach going to about Maywood, um, so just south of downtown. Then there's another stretch that picks up in the Elysian Valley, and there's some small segments uh, in the West Valley. Um, so there's been tremendous momentum, though, NBC Universal, for example, has committed $13.5 million to connect six miles of the bikeway between about Riverside Drive near Griffith Park 
going into Studio City. And so that's the public-private partnership that we want to bring together to really enhance that connectivity. One of the other projects that we're working on is an iconic bicycle, pedestrian, equestrian bridge in North Atwater between Los Feliz and Colorado. This stretch is where really would be the first river promenade. Um, this is where kayaking will launch into the river in the future. 3,000 people went kayaking in the Elysian Valley last summer. They paid 65 bucks a pop. It's free to go to our beaches and mountains. And so I think that just continues to show the momentum and excitement that's building around the LA River being a great public destination. Um, and so this would be the first cable stay bridge, 300 foot long, 130 foot tall mast. Uh, you know, there's 220,000 vehicles going by there a day along the five freeway. But this is something that will connect um, the North Outwater community to the bike path uh, and then the 4,200 acres of Griffith Park. Uh, and so this is about how do we, we have great public resources in Los Angeles, but sometimes we get cut off from them. And so I think that's what the LA River and our Greenway 2020 campaign aims to do, is to uh, thread uh, that needle of bringing and stitching together our city again. So the bike paths will go all the way from the West Valley to Long Beach? Is that possible? That's the goal. And our goal is to do it by 2020. Wow. So I might stick around. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Um, what else do you want to tell me about uh, everything you're doing? I think to your listeners and to everybody that we talk to, is it, it's about building community. It's about investing. It's very easy to be cynical about what isn't possible. And change is difficult. Most people feel, fear change not because they fear what's to come, as they fear what they're losing. Um, and so I think part of it is how do we effectively engage people, that we have real conversations, that we sit down and figure out how we roll up our sleeves and work together. Because uh, at the end of the day, this is our city, and we kind of have a choice as to what kind of city we want to live in. And we can live in one that you know really is isolated and is siloed, or we can live in one where uh, we can be better connected. Uh, and I think the L.A. River can play a huge role uh, in, in making that cleaner, greener, more connected Los Angeles that I certainly want my kids to grow up in. Um, and so I think continuing to press policymakers, Mayor Garcetti uh, in his first 100 days announced performance metrics to judge his administration by, and the performance metric that he came out with for the L.A. River was miles of public access. We were thrilled to see that because that fit very much with our Greenway 2020 campaign, the idea of connecting all 51 miles of the river, which is about creating greater connectivity. Um, just like the Coastal Commission uh, along our beaches wants to make sure that we don't cut off public access to the great natural resources of our beaches, we want to make sure that we can create greater access to uh, the L.A. River, and we're already seeing it. And that's, to me, the beauty of this. This isn't a binary win or lose. This isn't just you know a, a blank piece of dirt and then you build some structure on it. This is an organic living process. Uh, and so to me, in many ways, the game's already been won because we're looking at the river differently. We recognize that, that this isn't something that we should turn our backs to, but it's something we should embrace. And in doing so, we can have fun events, right, that people want to go and they want to enjoy it now. You don't need the billions of dollars investment. Is that you know investment going to continue to make it a greater uh, destination and a destination wor worthy of our world-class city? Absolutely. Um, and so that's why we can both enjoy it today but also invest in it for tomorrow. Thank you very much, Omar Brownson. Thank you. Hi, um, could you say who you are and your position, please? Nicole Friedman, and uh, Director of Bike Programs for the City of Boston. Okay, and can you tell me about the Green Lanes Project? Sure. So, um, Green Lane Projects is run by an organization, People for Bikes, and uh, they're a great national advocacy organization, and what their goal is is to accelerate um, implementation of cycle checks around the country. 
And one of the main ways they do that is by choosing green lane focus cities. Boston is now one of those green lane focus cities, and they work with those cities for two years. Um, they provide technical assistance, financial assistance. Um, they do a lot of research. They do a lot of PR. And in doing that, not only do they help each of those six cities to um, add more cycle tracks, but they really are paving the way for cities around the country to be adding cycle tracks. And when did you get to become one of the Green Lane cities? Um, they actually just uh, announced last week the, the Green Lane cities, um, or actually this Monday, um, so official as of Monday. Does this mean you get some protected bike lanes? Um, well, the city, yes, I mean, the city has always been planning on doing protected bike lanes, but I think with this, um, with this support, it really will will do exactly what they hope it will do. It will accelerate us. It's almost like a tailwind helping us get get more lanes up. So, do they tell you what to do, or do you already have the plans and they're going to help you fund it? Uh, it's actually much less about funding and much more about uh, the strategic and technical assistance, um, access to their research, um, and a lot of the press help that they'll be providing. Um, with that said, they definitely do have some, you know, help help to get finances as well. So we did a show with uh, some other cities that that were part of the Green Lanes project. It was, I, I think, uh, Memphis and. Uh, is uh is Portland one? This year this time there's six, so it's Atlanta, Denver, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Seattle, and of course Boston. All right. And so you are going to benefit from their their research? Could couldn't you just take that anyway? <laughs> I'm sorry, but like how how do you uh it's not money, but it's it's their expertise. I guess they have staff helping you, or how does that work? I think it's the whole package, and I can give a great example uh, or, or a number of examples. So one, um, cycle tracks are fairly new in the country, fairly new in Boston, and when we go into a public meeting, you know, the natural instinct is, why do we want this? It's taking up more space. What about pedestrians and cyclists running into each other? And working with the Green Lane Project, we'll have access to an incredible amount of real data that will say, actually, look, these are great. They're decreasing crashes among motor vehicles, pedestrians, and cyclists. Ridership is going up. Uh, sidewalk biking is going down. Motor vehicle speeds are going down. And they'll have all of that data. Um, another example is the design is also new to us. Um, they host a study tour um, in the Netherlands, and they invite officials from Boston, so four officials from Boston would go. Um, and it's a great opportunity for um, folks from our engineering department, our public works department, um, even the mayor's office to actually be able to see uh, and, and physically see how will this change a city and can this work in Boston and how will it work in Boston. So, but you, you your plans were already... Uh, is there is there resistance to plans that you already had to put in protected bike lanes? Well, so we, we just completed our five-year and 30-year network plan, and the entire plan is always, um, you know, subject to a, a complete and thorough public process. Um, and, you know, one of the most important things with the public process is to educate everyone so they can evaluate a project based on, you know, based on the reality of, you know, what what impacts the change will bring. Um, and, you know, with any project, you're going to have some, some proponents and some people that are more resistant. And I think uh, with the backing of the Green Lane Project and, and People for Bikes, um, you know, we'll really be able to tell a much, much better story. And then why just six cities? I mean, why not share this with every city? <laughs> I don't know. We can ask the Green Lane Project that. But I think, um, I, you know, I can see when you focus on a few cities, you can do, um, you know, you'll have much more impact within those cities. And when you're talking about bike projects, the more you can um, have a network of facilities and really 
um, pull them together, the more successful it is. So, you know, if you're going to put in 30 cycle checks, better to have five per city than it would be one one over 30 cities. Um, but I think as, as well for them, since there is a big component of um, sharing the news of these cities across the country, um, you know, choosing six highly committed cities like Boston um, is really, um, you know, a better way to communicate some of the successes. So what what are some of the, what is the story uh, that, that you can tell about why cycle tracks are a good idea? Um, the number one thing that we know in this country is uh, more than 50% of the population says they want a bike, uh, but they're too scared to do it, and it's this fear of motor vehicles that's really holding them back. And there's been um, some tremendous early results coming out of other cities that have put in put in um, cycle tracks um, in terms of reduction in crashes, uh, increase in ridership, et cetera. And, you know, some of the numbers, um, you know, Pennsylvania Avenue has a median buffered bike lane, and they saw a doubling of ridership. Um, the Prospect Park cycle track in New York City on weekdays, they saw a tripling of ridership. Um, Market Street in San Francisco, 115% increase in ridership. And, you know, these numbers are practically overnight, and what you're realizing is you're able to mainstream cycling um, by taking away uh, the fear of motor vehicles and actually providing um, a safe, separated facility. Um, in addition to that, you know, you're having real positive impacts on crash injuries. So uh, crashes for motor vehicles, pedestrians, and cyclists, they all go down. And then we've seen some other data. Um, speeding is always a problem. Speeding is going down on roads with cycle tracks. Um, so it really can be a win-win-win. Um, in Boston, with a lot of the cycle track projects that we envision, not only are we adding the cycle track, but once you start looking at a road, you also say, okay, what pedestrian improvements can we put in and how can we make this road function better for, for all of the users? So it's uh, this, so one thing that you're showing is that cycle tracks increase biking. Yep. Um, are you have you already demonstrated uh, beyond any doubt how more biking is good for the city? You know, it's been it was it's very important to to our mayor, and you look at it in a number of ways. Um, you know, and in some way, it's an it's an equity issue and it's a livability issue. What you know, where do people want to live? Uh, they want to live in places where they can be outside. They don't have to sit in traffic in their cars, um, where you can bike or walk to work, um, where you can take public transit. Um, so there's that whole quality of life um, aspect to it. Um, and then you look at the health aspect, particularly in some of our lower income communities. Um, you know, those have some of our highest, uh, you know, health inequities, uh, and a lot of it is, you know, if you can get on a bike, the average cyclist loses 13 pounds in a year. So making it possible to um, get out there by bike, be healthy. Um, similarly, in low-income areas, uh, and I think this equity piece is so critical, transportation can sometimes be up to 50% of, um, or sorry, uh, just after housing, but when you put in housing and transportation, you're up to 50% of people's disposable income at minimum. Uh, and if you can reduce the transportation costs, um, which you can with a bike, which you can with walking, um, again, you're you're really having a tremendous impact on the bottom line. So it seems like you're you're showing how um, biking is is important for the city. You're showing how protected cycle lanes, cycle tracks, by increased biking. And um, so, anything else that needs to be done? What what other work? Uh, do you think that needs to be done? Uh, well, or, or, yeah. And I always say the cycle tax is um, it, it's a very important piece of the puzzle. Um, let's combine that piece with bike share and bike share in all neighborhoods of the city. Um, and you have they're very two very powerful levers to get the average person 
to get non-cyclists on a bike feeling safe, feeling comfortable. Um, and when you do that, you really can start to see European levels of biking, you know, in the 10, 15, 20% of trips being made by bike. Is that is that in the cards for Boston? Um, the, the goal is to make Boston a, a world-class cycling city. Um, right now, we're one of the better cities in the United States, and we see Green Lane Project really as um, instrumental in our phase two. We have a new mayor, Mayor Walsh, who's embracing cycling and says, look, we can do it. We can take Boston from where we are, where the last administration left off, and we can do this. We can make Boston a world-class city, um, and the protected bike lanes is is really a key component of that. All right. And how can we keep informed, up to date on this? Um, yep. The Green Lane Project has a website, and then we have a website as well. Uh, we use bostonbikes.org. Um, and then we, of course, have a, a newsletter that we send out regularly. All right. How long have you been the bike? Uh, I'm sorry, what's your title again? <laughs> Director of Bike Programs since 2007. Well, yeah, I've, I've been meaning to interview you since that time. So I'm, so this is the first time I've been able to do that. <laughs> I, it, it, it's a long time to keep your job in the city as a bike director of bike programs. Um, well, I think as long as we keep making great progress, um, we will be in we will be in a, a great place. All right. Cool. And, you, and are you keeping up with New York? Um, every city has its strengths. <laughs> um, New York has done some fantastic work. All right. Who, who, who's the one? Who's the who's the one to beat? Who's the city? That, who's the city that you're that you're? Uh, well, right now, Minneapolis is really right up there, and they're a winter city. Um, we get a lot of best practices from Minneapolis, a lot from New York City, a lot from um, Portland and Seattle. Um, and with the Green Lane Project, we really looked at a lot of those cities as well. All right. Anything else? Um, nope. I think that's it. Well, thanks a lot, and please let me know what else you know you, what you want to talk about. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, see you guys. Bye. Sweatshop. We're at the sweatshop of Don Ward. Yeah, tell me about your sweatshop. Uh, we have a whole sweatshop operation going on here. There's like very little money being paid to anybody. Um, we're packing furiously, t-shirts into bags. Um, you know, lots of refunds for the marathon crash race that was canceled, and uh, you know, we're we're getting these packages out and coming coming correct unfortunately there's a lot of people that wanted the t-shirt we only made so many so you're just gonna have to take the comp ticket if you don't want the t-shirt all right so we can't, if we can't get you the t-shirt because we're we're almost out so what happened with the marathon crash race we haven't had a debrief yet yeah the marathon crash race uh was canceled by the do you, city do you normally talk like this or are you talking slightly different <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> the marathon crash race was canceled. Um, the marathon crash race, I canceled it. It was, uh, it was like swatting a hornet's nest of cyclists. And we all know that the bike lobby, you really, you really don't want to fuck with. You just. You really just want to kind of let them have their fun and give them, throw them a bone, you know, and just keep them happy because cyclists can get really uppity, you know. And here we have this race that everybody loves canceled by the city. So that's, that's like, that's not a good situation. So it's not like you canceled it. I did. I got a, I got a notice of violation that I was going to be criminally liable and, have to pay a huge fine if we move forward with the event. 
so, um, you know, I told them the reality is that this event will happen no matter what. We're just there to kind of bring some organization and safety to it. And uh, so they, you know, the, the guy was like, yeah, we got it handled. You know, don't worry about it. I was like, well, how are you going to, you know, they're going to race anyways. He's like, Dad, don't worry about it. We got it, we got it handled under control. I was like, all right, you know, yeah, no problem. Okay. Uh, the chief inspector from the Bureau of Street Services. And, yeah, he was uh, real friendly, but he was just basically saying it can't happen and it can't get a... It can't happen. Can't get a permit at this point. He said that. He said you can't get an expedited permit. Expedited permit. But it happened anyway. Well, yeah, because I, I told him, all right, you know, I'll cancel it. I got the word out, put the word out everywhere. It was on NPR, LA Times, everybody, you know, LA Weekly. Everybody knew it was being canceled. So I did my due diligence. It was canceled. However, there was still going to be, you know, a couple thousand cyclists that show up at this place and crash the course. So now it was the city's event. You know, the city w- was uh, now responsible for this thing my hands were washed and I think they realized they had an oh shit moment because you know it's been it's been like this for three years the LAPD has come out to protect the people the people want to crash the marathon course you know and the LAPD are there doing their job to protect it and uh, this year that uh, you know that that wasn't going to be the case or it's now going to be the case for the city to handle this and, and control it. Okay, so maybe we n- now need a history of the Wolf Pack Hustle Marathon crash race. So people have been crashing the marathon course for a long time. Midnight Riders was, in 2007, organizing rides to crash what was then the Acura Bike Tour. Then they took away the Acura Bike Tour in 2008 or 2009 or something. People started crashing the course and racing on it and it was kind of an impromptu race so in 2010 you know Hearn came to me and he's like why don't we why don't we do a Wolfpack Hustle race on the marathon course and I was like fuck yeah let's do this and it eventually you know I made the flyers and posted and promoted on Midnight Riders and like 400 people showed up you know which is more than ever before, because it's a Wolfpack race. I mean, we were throwing huge races at the time, and I was looking for something safe to do, safer, because we did this race called the All-City Race that, like, 400 people would race from one side of Los Angeles to the other, any route you want, and it was just madness, like five-member teams, and it was just too crazy, too potentially deadly, you know. So I wanted a safer race. So this marathon crash race was, like, the perfect option. And um, we ran it a couple years, and, it, and Warren Comers made a documentary about it, and it kind of blew up into this huge, you know, like people knew about it now even more because it was showing in all these film festivals. Is so it online? It's online, yeah. It's called Racing the End. It's a beautiful film. I feel like I could, I feel like I could, I, I could die tomorrow and huh. something... Something will have like documented something cool that I did, you know. So I'm super thankful to Warren for making that. And so now you're here, and and what does it all come to at this point? What it all comes to is next year we're going to try and legitimize it. So, you know, the city realized that oh, they're they're responsible. So the mayor's office called me Wednesday. I'd canceled it Tuesday. Mayor's office called me Wednesday. Let's make this a celebration. Let's try to make this into a win-win because it's not going to look good for anybody if there's a mob of, you know, cyclists out there that are barreling through the streets unregulated, you know, that these streets are not totally closed off. That's the myth of the marathon crash race. There's still live intersections. So anyways, they called me and it was like, all right, you know, how, what's that going to look like? You know, because now all my infrastructure is like collapsed, really, you know. And people are not coming out. We can't call a race at this point. It's too difficult anyways because we didn't have Officer Helper. Gordon Helper. Mm-hmm. For some reason, he was taking off bike duties sometime in September. 
and I think he was being punished by command staff for probably being too cozy. You know, like he was such a supporter of Wolfpack Hustle and us of him that I think the city, like the command staff at LAPD, might have looked at that and been like, what's this guy doing? He's making friends with these outlaw cyclists, but they don't realize that he's actually helping like a whole sector, you know, build relations with the, the Los Angeles Police Department. These are inner city, urban kids that don't, you know, in park poor areas that want to just get out there and do something. And they're not always on the right side of the police relationship, you know. And here was a chance for this guy to look like a hero to all these youngsters that live in Koreatown. And he was. He was a hero. I mean, people recognized him. You know, they, they loved that guy. And they had suddenly taken off. He's the one guy in the whole city that could probably lead this marathon crash race through the city streets and keep it safe because he knew how to block intersections. So when, they, when it became clear, you know, two weeks before the race was going to happen that he was t- taken off because we held hope for him to be on. But they, they never called him up. And then I talked to the command staff and I was like, I need officer helper in there. said, we can't give him to you. You know, we just can't give him to you. So do you think this is part of a like a city crackdown on the on the race? And why would that have happened at this time? I mean, like I said, I think he was being punished. Like I think he was being uh, checked. Like, hey, you're building too much of a relationship with this group, this, these cyclists, who, on the other hand, criticize us and raise a bunch of stink about projects and make a bunch of noise about hit and runs. Now you're friends with them, you know. So I think somebody way up there was just kind of, all right, let's 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 hush this guy a little bit. I don't I'm, know. I'm, I guess I'm trying to say that they also canceled your permit. So is there some kind well, of a I'm building up to that? So okay. it became it was a little shaky now. Like who's going to lead this? This is a this is a high speed closure that you need to be able to do. You need the expertise. Who's in charge? You know, I was like asking them, the command staff. And they're very very like. The, the LAPD is very, I mean, good people that were that I was working with. So Commander Bill Scott was, like, very cool about this whole thing. But I think he kind of realized, like, this is a shaky situation because we don't really have any trained officers other than officer helper. And for some reason there was that directive for him not to work on this. So I don't know. I told, you know... I told them, I go, look, I don't know, you know, I don't truly know what Officer Helper wants to do. Maybe he doesn't want to be on this, but we really need this guy. And I think they got scared, and then two days later, three days, you know, four days before the race, I get the call from the city attorney and the inspector, the chief inspector from BRC Services, telling me that I'm in, I'm in violation and I have to have these permits. And there's, the guy told me there's no way to get expedited permits, so I just gave up. So how has this affected you emotionally? Emotionally, it was it was uh, just a roller coaster. It was like, you know, I already have this burden on my shoulders. I feel like, wow, I'm responsible for for this people, like three thousand, four thousand people, to get safely through the city. And I'm negotiating with LAPD. I'm the only one speaking really on behalf of all these people, and that's that's a huge feeling a burden so I've been trying to legitimize it divide up the mass so that serious racers are in the front and have priority the, the chill riders in the back and just ride chill those kind of things and have insurance on the event I went through the motions of I mean I, I, I bought insurance and, and I got a policy in place and, and uh, protected the city even named them as protected all the cities we go through so we were really trying this year to make it more legitimate and it collapsed you know when they sent that notice and what happened at the ride did you still divide the riders how did it work we we just did a ride we 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 call off the race completely um the city attorney worked and the city you know worked really hard and the mayor's office worked really hard to get a permit they got a permit in less than 24 hours and then it you know it was like i said it was it was too dicey to call a race so we just made it a ride and we wanted everybody to show the city that we could just relax and and control ourselves and then next year we're going to try and make this thing super legit 
still keep everything low cost. I don't want one of those. I don't want the Acura bike tour because guess what? The Acura bike tour, you know, if they brought that back, if Frank McCourt brought that back, um, there would still be about two hours of lead time in road closure setup in which a thousand people will show up and do an unregulated street race. So we might as well work with the group that has brought organization to it, that's Wolfpack Hustle, and make a race that 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 is, you know, it, it protects everybody, but it, it also um, is organized so that it's not it's not a full on street race. You can do it next year? If we can get permits. I already met with the mayor this this morning with Henny. Wow. The mayor's office. Thank you, Sam. Henny is here folding Wolfpack Hustle uh shirts. Henny you're with Ciclavia? Is there geotagging on this sweatshop? Because we don't want the feds to know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, okay, let's just keep going. Yeah. So So Henny's here. Yeah. She works with Ciclavia, so you know how, see, her expertise is that she has experience with Ciclavia, the massive bike event that takes all kinds of road closures and takes all kinds of crazy planning, so I'm so glad to be working with her. Well, what are and you... And we have Sarah Hurtwick, who... Sarah? Hi. Who also is, I mean, you have a background in production, right? Yeah. Event planning. And we got we got a we got the team. Mm-hmm. And what are you gonna do with the team? Fold shirts and send them out. That's about it. No, what we're gonna do with the team is we're already working on legitimizing next year. Uh, we've got four more races coming this year. They they wounded the marathon crash race, so Wolfpack Hustle is coming back and carpet bombing 2014 with four more races in retaliation for their uh, attack on the marathon crash. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But it's like one of those those things where you, instead of dying, it divides and multiplies. Because, you know what, people, this is the funny thing, is like Los Angeles, stop being curmudgeons, Los Angeles. Like Huntington Park and... Long Beach are both stoked to have a race happen in their city because we bring a whole bunch of people. It's a great celebration of something healthy and active that youngsters can get into that um, they can focus on something so positive in their lives, and cities want that. And Los Angeles, you, you once again, you know, the, the ship is sailing, and there you are standing on the dock. Like, come on, jump on board. Bikes, you know, we need bikes to hit Los Angeles bikes. This is the heart of the bike lobby. There's China. China. I'm a China. Like, OG Midnight Riders. Well, not OG OG, but OG. Uh, What are you, like... You're double OG. We're at, like, the sixth generation of Midnight Riders, and you're, what, second generation, third generation? Second. Look at it. Second generation. She was 15. Oh, wow. And, and you're all folding shirts. Folding shirts in a sweat lodge. <laughs> oh, but it's a sweat lodge, which is a... Yeah, totally it's not a sweat shop. It's a sweat lodge. Because we have beer. Because we have beer. We're having a good time, you know, doing, doing mundane things. But uh, I'm copy-pasting addresses and... Uh, it's just horrifying. I heard you're the most hated man in L.A., though, now. Is that... How does that... Pretty much. Pretty much. Where does that come so, from? The, it, I, you know, it's true. I I am a hated person. I am completely hated. Everybody hates me. <laughs> well, you're the one who said it, though. I, I did say it because, my God, how can you cancel the marathon crash race? And tell you the truth, the front pack at that ride did get fast, and they tried to lose the cops, and that was, you know, they did it, and they rode into Palos Verdes somewhere. It seemed like the cops actually led them out into the boonies, which was genius. They turned around, the cops turned around, and this front pack that was racing on the ride 
got led out into Palos Verdes, and I don't know where they went, Topanga Canyon or something. So it was like, get those guys out of here, and let's get back to the fun ride, and we made it all the way to Santa Monica without any incidents. Well, we have some uh, sound from Maria Sippen, so I think we'll probably play that next. Very cool, very cool. She's awesome. All right, thanks a lot, Roadblock, a.k.a. Don Ward, in your your sweat lodge. Sweat lodge, yeah, laboring. We're all laboring very hard in the sweat lodge. The shirts are for the people who who paid originally to sign up for the for the race. Yes, paid, and then and then uh, there were people that purchased T-shirts. We're gonna get those shirts out first, and then um, we've got another 50 to 100 shirts that we'll send out to people that paid, and then everybody else gets a comp ticket and a high five and a handshake. Comp it's ticket to to one of the other four. One of the other four races. So, so come on how out. Do we, how do we register for one of the races and? get like Wolfpack Hustle paraphernalia. We're going to open up registration soon. There's so many things that need to get done and fuck. I mean, we're we're how do you transition this broke ass operation into like something slick and corporate? <laughs> we strive to be corporate. No, how do you actually make something like a street race into something like seriously organized that people can depend on? Because fucking A. You know, we get these glitches every so often, and I'm trying to improve it so that a racer will come out and they know what they're going to get, and the audience comes out and they know what they're going to get. Some ass kicking. We're almost there. But, um, yeah, next year, 2015, Marathon Crash. It's going to happen We've got the uh, support of the city. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got the mayor. I, I'm well, the mayor's office, they can make all kinds of promises. Politicians make all kinds of promises, and they're basically worthless. But in this case, I think that we've both seen the light, you know, and we know, we both know that it just, it's going to take some organization. We can partner with the city. Let's partner with the city and make it happen. I'm hungry. All right. You mean... I want a veggie burrito. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. And here's Maria and her interviews. (laughs) You guys want veggie burritos? They're on me. Get that on tape, too, so I don't seem like a total slave. (laughs) My name is Gemma, and I'm from Eagle Rock. Cool. So what what made you decide to come out tonight? Um, Or this morning, actually. What made you decide to come out this morning? Just, you know, the love of riding, and my boyfriend had me out here with him. Have you ever done this ride before? No, this is the first time. So what what do you think um, What do you think is the importance of this ride to L.A.? Um, hopefully it'll increase bike awareness in the city so we can get, you know, more bike lanes and encourage more people to, to ride. Did you know about the drama earlier this week and the cancellation? Somewhat. I was filled in saying that it was canceled and it's back on and now it's a ride, it's not a race. So, well, that's Good. somewhat. <laughs> well, thanks for being here. Thank you. This is uh, Caroline Della Victoria from Los Angeles. All right, so what made you come out this morning? So many motherfuckers here. To do the ride. Have you, have you done the ride? No, it's my first year. Who got you to come out tonight? Um, my boyfriend over here, actually. <laughs> Have you been following any of the news this week about the cancellation? Yeah, I've been following um, Wolfpack Hustle on Facebook. We're getting a lot of the news, the feeds. What do you think this ride means yeah, to people in right LA? Here, um, sending a message to the city of Los Angeles, letting them know that you know cyclists, normal people, want to get out there and ride. And how long have you been riding? Um, for over a year now. Okay. Yeah. So, what do you think is the biggest challenge for you to? to be riding out here, or is it pretty easy for you? Um, the challenge would be just the drivers on the road, you know, being considerate of, of cyclists and, you know. How do you, how do you hope to change the perception of drivers out there? Just by getting out on the bike and riding and, Okay, yeah. well, thank you. I think every woman on the road sends a huge message and it's really powerful. So thanks for riding today. Thank you. Right. Go for it. My name is Eric Huerta and I'm from Bull Heights. Alright, so what made you come out this morning? Uh, I came out today because I've been doing it for the last couple of years. It's a tradition now. 
So crashing the LA Marathon is one of the, the things I look forward to doing every year. It's a tradition for many people. What do you think this ride means for Los Angeles? I think it's starting to take a shape in terms of like it's become a focal point for folks to like start getting around it yearly, not just like at different focal points around the year with like crash race or Ciclavia or anything else. It's like it's starting to get folks into like a regular cycle of just being out there on their bikes all the time. This week the race was canceled and it transformed into just a fun ride. What do you think the turning point was and you know, how how did that all happen? I think the city, especially with Garcetti now in office, um, he, you know, he can't really turn a blind eye to like the stuff that Roadblock and other like cycling and bicycle advocates do in the city. So it's 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 pretty much crucial to maintain these kind of relationships. And this is one of those like homey favors where it's like, all right, you know, things are a little crazy right now, but we're gonna do you a solid and come through. When I'm glad the city did. Thank you. Ride safe out there. <laughs> Thank you. All right, I think you're warmed up. Go ahead. My name is Sonia Mendoza, and I'm actually from Claremont, California. Oh, wonderful. I'm from the 9092, so welcome. I live here, though. Cool. All right, so what made you decide to get up this morning and ride over here? I actually, like, wanted to do this ride last year and had just moved here, so I just missed it. Um, So I was excited to come out this year. Have you been following the drama about the cancellations this week? A little bit. That's interesting. Go for it. A little bit, but... What's going on here? It's Wolfpack Hustle Marathon Crash Ride. It's, it's a ride that basically rides the whole course of the marathon. And basically we just bike it. Oh, before the marathon before starts. The marathon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no problem. Okay, so why did you decide to do this race this morning? Um, I just really wanted to do the marathon route. I, I have friends that have done it, so um, who are not here today because they're traveling. But uh, yeah, they thought it was really fun. So, um, and I am normally I bike for work every day, so I don't do a lot of pleasure riding actually. That's great. I'm, I consider this pleasure riding also. It's such a nice break. Like I normally hate riding at night. But on this kind of territory, with some of the closures and all these people supporting the ride, it's just a lot easier to do it. What do you think this race means to L.A.? Or this ride, basically, because it's turning into a ride. What does this ride mean to Los Angeles? Um, I mean, I, I think it means that there's a lot of bikers here, and they should have a space on the road, just like cars, and uh, biking and cycling, cycling and walking and other... Hi, this is Nick from Bike Talk, and I'm talking to the founding director of the Bicycle Film Festival, Brent Barber. Hi, Brent. Hi, Nick. It's so good to be back. It's been a few years. I remember being on Bike Talk in 2010. It's really great to be back. You're still in, uh, you've, you've expanded probably, huh? You've, you've, you've gotten bigger and better, I, I think. Uh, I don't know, but it's certainly been a lot of fun. And we've, since uh, we met up last time, we've been to Istanbul, Cape Town, Moscow, Buenos Aires, Mexico City, Hong Kong. So some great new cities um, ca- carrying the Bicycle Film Festival um, flag. Wow. And- and so do you have entries from all these places? Do we have entries from all these places? Yeah, we have entries from all over the world. Um, uh, in the programming, we're, we're coming back to L.A., and um, in the programming we have movies from Afghanistan, from Italy. Um, you know, from, we've ha- always had a great selection from Africa. So, um, yeah, we have movies from all over the world. So, but you're coming to L.A., and the dates are April 3rd through 5th. And is it different from the other shows you do? Is it more an L.A.-centric one, or is it the same like global show for, for every place that you go? We, we, we try to localize every um, program, which makes it a lot of work. <laughs> um, but, uh, for example, we have a, a screening of Half the Road, which we have not screened yet, and 
It's a feature documentary about um, women's challenges and accomplishments within the pro cycling circuit and in cycling in general. So that will be playing for the first time in L.A., and I think that L.A. is a great place to play that because the women's bike movement is so strong there and uh, road cycling is so strong there. So um, that was a selection that we've made that's um, coming out now, this film called Half the Road, and it's going to have national distribution with first-run features. So you'll see it play in uh, your independent uh, film screening spot throughout the country. Can you describe what it's like to go to a bicycle film festival for people who may not have gone yet? Um, well, first off, it's tons of fun. And if you have never been to the Bicycle Film Festival, I highly recommend going to the shorts program because um, there are, um, there's always going to be something that you like or maybe you might not like one film as much as the other, but you're really going to love another one. And then you talk to somebody else, your friend that you came with, and they really, really love uh, Sister Session, for example, which is a movie about uh, women BMXers uh, trying to break into one of the biggest BMX competitions, which is called Simple Session in Estonia. Um, so, you know, I think that is what's great. I think also it's a place where a lot of people meet each other. Uh, we've, <laughs> I, I don't know how many marriages we've had. I know I can say like three or four off the top of my head that I know wow. of people who've met and um, since gotten married. <laughs> so, it's it's kind of that um, place where I think you can make a best friend and, and come and enjoy yourself. So it takes place over a couple of days. Is there are there events uh, connected with it? Bike rides, things like that. Um, well, that will happen organically once we're going to launch. That this is our this conversation is our launch actually, um, oh. and we haven't been to LA for a couple of years, so we're coming back a little bit smaller. We're not doing all these art shows and rock shows and um, so this may, but we're really focusing on the films. And um, so we hope folk, people can come out. The movies are incredible. So essentially we've programmed the, some of the greatest hits of the last two years and some of the best movies um, around for this um, season. So um, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, well, um, okay. And so, what, it's, so it's all day, each of the days? There's, Or is it? There's a, um, Friday and Saturday. The programming is um, Friday, Saturday is the programming for um, the films are on Friday. They're seven thirty and nine thirty, and then Saturday um, is um, seven and nine. All right, and then and there's the parties after. Oh, it's cool. at the Japanese Cultural Community Center. The, so Little Tokyo CCC, and yeah, exactly. It's a really handy right. place. They do dance and theater there, and it's a really, really big place. Like I said, where we're going to focus on the film, come back really grounded. Um, we found that um, in L.A. a lot of folks are just coming to the parties, but like we like people to come <laughs> to the movies as well. So. And do you, do you have sponsors, like local sponsors here? Yeah, Orange 20 has always been very supportive. And, um, Orange 20? The, the, yeah. A title sponsor is Kind Snacks. Um, also, uh, we have a lawyer. Um, can you chime in on that one, please, Dana? It's uh, Joshua C. Cohen, Los Angeles bicycle attorney. Oh, yeah, we had so, him um, on. So Joshua C. Cohen is, yeah, that's really supportive. So that's really awesome. And so we can go to your website and maybe see some, well, I guess we, can we see trailers? or. What's up there? Oh, yeah. The trailer is all over the website. Just go to the Los Angeles page when it's up, and uh, you can see a lot of the trailers to the short films that we're playing in the program. So it's bicyclefilmfestival.com. Um, also, we're doing something that's um, localized. We came up with a project with Kind Bars, which are absolutely good. <laughs> like, uh, full disclosure, they're sponsoring us, <laughs> but they are really good. Um, yeah. The the they we're doing a program called Kind Deliveries where you can order on their site when we launch it, which is right a week before the festival. Um, you can order on their site uh, flowers to be in a note to be delivered to a friend, colleague, what have you, so just uh, passing on a flower, and these will be delivered by bicycles with a, uh, a reminder of the Bicycle Film Festival, and it will be delivered by bicycles throughout the Los Angeles area. 
So that should be a lot of fun be the week before. Um, we just did it in San Diego, and they delivered 2,000 or so flowers throughout the whole city. Um, so that should be a lot of fun. And that, in that way, it's very localized. So we'll be contacting and uh, spreading bicycle cheer to folks who maybe normally don't really even know about bikes. <laughs> okay, so you can send a flower by bike to a loved one. And um, yeah, and maybe they'll get some kind bars. Uh, I think that's probably included. (laughs) That's probably gonna be included too. Before you go, any any other uh, shorts or or bike movies you want to tell us about that you're excited about in particular? Well, Lucas Burnell is always very popular, right? And so his movie Roadways is probably his best work yet. Um, It's it's incredible. And if you've been to the bicycle yeah. before and enjoyed it and loved it, um, I think that you really love the programming this time. There's, um, there are so many great films. Road to Caracal, uh, there's a young man who rode his bike through Central Asia and then climbs the top of a mountain and all the obstacles he has to go through with the police and then also the fear of uh, losing his life. And um, it's, it's, it's an incredible program. Um, so... Uh, right. well, you know, I'll, I'll the shorts are a lot of fun, as you know, as you've been before. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> great. I'll be there. And uh, we'll, maybe we'll talk to you again before it happens, too. Oh, I would love You're to talk ready. anytime. You have my number. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks uh, a lot, friends. And we'll see you there. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS feed link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group.